To most people, a zoo is a collection of four-footed animals. But there's one menagerie I know of where the inmates walk on two feet. In the first cage, for instance, you'll find the giant forger, whose specialty is writing other people's names. And in another iron cell, you can inspect the genus Pickpocket, known also as the Little Dip, who can sometimes prove that the hand is quicker than the eye. But the prize exhibit is a hopped-up character with a nervous twitch in his forefinger. He prowls alone when he looks for prey, and he's known for his taste for murder. That's the Fat Man, a fast-moving criminologist who tips the scales at 239 pounds. But don't let his weight fool you. He's agile, tough, and smart. The Reynards, Oscar and Harriet, were a typical suburban pair, except that Oscar was six or eight years younger than his over-upholstered spouse. He was a meek little guy in a seersucker suit, while Mrs. Reynard looked like the vice president in charge of production for the Hillsdale Sewing Circle. I'm Mrs. Harriet Reynard, Mr. Runyon, and this is my husband, Oscar. My second husband, that is. My first husband, Melvin, was uh, supposed to have died two years ago. Isn't it official yet? Of course, Mr. Runyon. But Harriet has been... Uh... Oscar, you promised to let me tell it to Mr. Runyon in my own way. I'm sorry, my dear. Eh, uh, what's the story, Mrs. Reynard? About four weeks ago, Oscar and I happened to wander into a rug shop on the Lower West Side. After we looked at the owner's wares, he invited us into a back room to meet his wife. An attractive woman, Mr. Runyon, within a... Interesting face, and... Uh... We were told that she had occult powers and could bring the dead back to life. Then she asked us if we wanted to attend a manifestation. You mean a seance? She didn't call it a seance, but I suppose that's what it was. At any rate, we returned that evening, just out of curiosity, and I spoke to my dear departed husband. Now, Harriet... It's true, Oscar. You were there. It was Melvin's voice, and I saw his face light up in the dark right in front of me. I'll admit she's right, Mr. Runyon. Oscar thought it was some kind of a trick and asked me not to go there again. But I couldn't resist, and, and I went by myself without his knowledge. I saw Melvin again. Hmm. He seemed to be sitting in an office dictating a letter to a stenographer. How was business? What? Uh, skip it. Go on, Mrs. Reynard. Well, on this second visit, I received a message from Melvin, asking for a little money to tide him over. I couldn't refuse Mr. Runyon and live with my conscience. After all, it was Melvin's money I inherited, and besides... How much did he ask you for? Five hundred dollars. Can you imagine that? And Harriet was fool enough to give it to them. Oscar! It wasn't much, Mr. Runyon, and neither was the 1500 he asked for later. But now I'm beginning to think I may have made a mistake. 
Mm-hmm. The last time I went there on Wednesday night, I was told that Melvin was bankrupt and he needed $20,000 in a hurry. That was when I decided I ought to have some outside advice. You still think you spoke to your first husband? I wouldn't have accepted Melvin's voice alone as final proof. But I saw him, Mr. Runyon, right in front of me. And, and I wouldn't mistake the face of a man I'd been married to for 15 years. When's your next rendezvous with Melvin, Mrs. Raynard? Today at six. Is that when you're supposed to shell out with the 20 grand? I was told to bring it all in cash. Have you made the withdrawal? Not yet, but I have $500 in my bag. Mm-hmm. Let's have that. In advance? Isn't that unusual, Mr. Runyon? Keep your shirt on. I'm not in that much of a hurry for a fee. Here you are. Five $100 bills. Good. Now, just a minute here. What are you doing, Mr. Runyon? Hmm, marking these bills. There. All right, Mrs. Reynard. Put them back in your bag and hand them to the medium when you see her. Then leave the rest to me. Just what do you intend to do? Communicate with the spirit world, Oscar. And get a receipt from Melvin for Mrs. Reynard's dough. The rug shop was a murky little joint that reminded me of an Asiatic bazaar. The walls were covered with oriental rugs and I could smell the pungent odor of strong aromatic coffee someone was brewing in the rear. The proprietor was a thin little man whose accent I couldn't quite place, but I knew it wasn't far from the Persian Gulf. His manners were impeccable and his smile was full of teeth while he clasped his skinny hands in a gesture of greeting. It is my wish to serve you, sir. Oh, are you the owner? Mr. Parzan at your command. I'm shopping for rugs. Ah, we make a speciality here, sir, of rugs. You are perhaps familiar with oriental rugs? Uh, in a sketchy way. Then permit me to make a few suggestions in my humble manner. The finest rugs, as you might know, come from Persia, and uh, this is a perfect example. Feel its texture, sir. Hmm, just like a kitten. It is a kashan, a notable weave. Observe this striking red foundation with its floral designs and exquisite lines. Yeah, it reminds me a little of an Isfahan. Ah, an Isfahan. Then you do know something about weaving. The Isfahan is a rare treasure indeed. Creations of genius from the 16th century. But only a few choice specimens are now in existence. And they are worth a king's ransom. Uh, you've got quite a display here, Poussin. The very best. Must take quite a bit of lettuce to make a collection like this. Looks to me like it's worth a lot of dough. Oh, they are here on consignment only, my friend. And all I receive is a commission for the sale. But, uh, you do not appear very interested. Oh, 
Why don't you let me browse around for an hour or so? I, I like to take my time. I would be most happy to permit it, sir. But unfortunately, I must close the shop at six. My wife is conducting a manifestation at that time. Oh, your wife is a medium? Well, she does not call herself a medium, but she communicates with the spirit world. That sounds interesting. Uh, any chance of getting in? Is there some dear departed loved one you wish to contact? Oh, dozens of them. Poisson? Poisson? Ah, Angela, my dear. Uh, my assistant, sir. How do you do? Your, um, your wife wants to see you. Oh, thank you, Angela. Excuse me for one moment, sir. Surely. Who are you? The name is Runyon. What are you doing here? Shopping. You're not looking for rugs. You're looking for trouble. Well, buy that too, if necessary. Is this a raid? Not exactly. There's no law against conducting a meeting in this state. But there's a law against fraud, sweetheart. And it's still on the books. Pardon me, sir. Yeah? My wife has requested that you join us inside. Show the gentleman in, Angela. You'd better get out of here while the going's good. And miss a chance of communicating with the dead? Suit yourself. But look out, you don't end up on their side. She led me to a room in the back that was windowless and smelled as stuffy as a tomb. There were a number of folding chairs lined up against the wall, the kind they use in funeral parlors. And behind a bare desk, her face as rigid as a mask, sat an oriental-looking woman. We were joined by Oscar Renard and his wife about five minutes later, but we gave no sign of recognition. And as Poussin shuffled to the center of the room, I could feel the tension mounting like the approach of an electrical storm. Delight, Angela. Put it out, please. Now we are ready to begin. We are waiting, Salah. We are gathered here together this night again to make contact with our friends in other world. Is there anyone here who wishes to talk to one of the departed? I do. Identify yourself, please. Harriet Reynard. And who do you wish to see? Melvin Bishop, my late husband. Melvin? Melvin Bishop? Do you hear me? Return to Earth and make your presence known. Melvin. Ah. The contact is difficult, Salah? Very difficult. But you promised me he'd come. 
<laughs> I am sorry, Mrs. Reynard, but it's quite impossible. <gasps> Look, it's Melvin. There he is, Mr. Runyon, above her head. Put on that light. It happened so fast, I didn't have a chance to make a move. The face of a man of sixty appeared behind the medium, hazily at first, then much clearer, like solidifying smoke. The next thing I knew, someone brushed past me quickly, and I heard the door open and close as I groped for the light. But Oscar beat me to it. And when the light went on, I saw him standing near the switch while his wife had passed out completely in her chair. Harriet? Uh, She's fainted. Uh, oh, oh, oh. She'll be all right. Looks as though the rest of the party decided to call it a day. I saw him. It, it, it was Melvin. Now you know that I was right. I'll show you what you saw, Mrs. Reynard. Come over to this wall. What is it, Mr. Runyon? Look. Why, there's a hole in the wall. Covered over with transparent paper. And there's a camera inside the hole, worked by remote control. A roll of movie film and a little ingenuity goes a long way as far as suckers are concerned. And as for his voice, oh, it looks as though something new has been added. Move away from that desk, Oscar. <gasps> it's the medium, Mr. Runyon. It's, it's Salah. On the floor, behind the desk. With a ten-inch stiletto stuck in her back. The police sent out a citywide alarm for Poussin and his girlfriend, but three days went by with practically no result. Then I got myself a bright idea. I put an ad in all the papers that must have read like a winning lottery number to a rug dealer, because I offered to sell a genuine Isfahan for exactly 100 bucks. I listed my phone, address, and my apartment number, but I didn't include my name. And for a day or so, I was flooded with fancy offers. I just about figured that Poussin was wise to the gag when I got another call. And as I put on my best international accent, I recognized Poussin's dulcet tones at the other end of the wire. Hello? Yes? I am calling in the regard to the advertisement in the papers. Oh, the rug. You say it is a Isfahan? Oh, the genuine article. Then why do you wish to sell it so cheaply? I am selling a rug, my friend, but not a history of how I obtained it. I see. Do you wish to inspect it? If you please. My address was included in the advertisement. Will you be home within the hour? I shall be most delighted. And I shall be most pleased to visit your house.
Mr. Runyon. Hello, Poussin. Come in. Make yourself at home. But the uh, name downstairs in the mailbox, it was Turkish. Uh, don't tell anybody, but he's the guy who sells me my towels. It was a trick. And a pretty obvious one. I didn't think you were dumb enough to fall. Now, just raise your hands above your shoulders, sweetheart, like a good little man. But I... I have no weapons, if that's what you are looking for. No extra stilettos to spare? You think I killed Salah? <laughs> oh, no. Of course you didn't. She died of a heavy cold. But I didn't even know what had happened in that room until I read it in the papers, Mr. Runyon. I, I swear that is the truth. Then what was your hurry to scram out? And don't tell me you had a date with your dentist. I was pulled out. By one of Salah's ghosts? By Angela. Incidentally, where is she? Angela? Now don't stall, Poussin. I'm way ahead of you. I don't know where she has gone. That sounds very convincing. Okay, try this one. How did you get hold of that film of Melvin Bishop? What film? Oh, brother. Now we're really getting cagey. I know nothing about a film. Or a camera. And how about those old dictaphone records you used? Don't tell me Melvin made them after he was buried. Oh, you are trying to confuse me. I don't know what you mean, Mr. Runyon. Okay. I'll explain it to you in a different way. Up to now, all you faced was a fraud rap. You might have gotten a year or two in the clink, or even a suspended sentence for a first offense. But homicide is a different story. But I didn't murder her, Mr. Runyon. What shall I do? Tell me how to save myself. I'm an innocent man. Where's Angela Poussin? If, if I tell you where to find her, will I go free? Well, that all depends. But if you don't give me a lead, you haven't got a chance. Very well, Mr. Runyon. I will take you to Angela. We got into my car and drove downtown to a section near Greenwich Village, then parked near one of those gypsy hangouts converted from an empty store. A phrenologist's skull was pictured in the window along with a giant human hand, and inside, at a small table, with a bottle of hooch in front of her, was Angela. Poisson? I see you double in brass, baby. How's the palm-reading business? What do you want? I'd like to have my fortune told. Angela! Shut up! So this is what I get for being loyal to you, you double-crossing little stool pigeon. But he, he said it was a murder, Angela. And he told me they'd give me the electric chair. I hope they do. I hope you sit there, poisson, and fry. Maybe you'll be sitting on his lap, sweetheart. You got nothing on me. I didn't kill Sala. Why should I? Because you hated her. <laughs> Why, you lying little... Ah, 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 ah. Temper, temper. 
How many times did you make a play for me behind her back? This is not true, Mr. Runyon. Not much it isn't, you hypocritical little fake. No, I treated Angela as a daughter. And as far as my wife was concerned, I never knew until the other night that she was a fraud. You mean you attended those phony sessions and played it straight? I believed my wife had occult powers because I am a superstitious man. Whatever was done was done without my knowledge. (laughs) This jerk was so dumb, his own wife didn't trust him, and I felt sorry for him. Like a dope, I tried to save his rotten hide. But from now on, he's on his own. He can worm his way out of this one all by himself. You've got a little worming of your own to finish, sweetheart. Don't threaten me. You've got nothing on me but a misdemeanor. You don't say. All right. So I did figure out the moving picture stunt. So what? It was Sala who collected the dough, and it was Sala who also held out on me for my share. But I fixed her wagon. With a ten-inch knife. I didn't touch her. All I did was work the movie camera when she didn't expect it. I knew you were a private dick, and so did she. We were supposed to let this act go flat that night, so you couldn't get any evidence. Too bad that room was dark. I would have loved to see her face when I flashed that picture on the wall. Where'd you get a hold of it? Wouldn't you like to know? Believe me, sweetheart. I'm gonna know. You can take me into custody, and you can question me from now until the cows come home, and you won't be able to hold me for murder, and you know it. How much are you getting paid to keep your mouth shut? Plenty. A lot more than you can afford to pay to open it up. But there's no question about my getting the moolah this time, handsome, because this time I'm on the receiving end alone. Here's luck, you oversized flatfoot. All good for me and all bad for you. Mr. Runyon, Mr. Runyon, what has happened to her? She's dead, Poussin. That bottle of booze must be loaded with poisoned dynamite. She said she was on the receiving end, and she wasn't kidding. I put in a call to headquarters and left Poussin with the body. Then I hopped into my car and started for Mrs. Reynard's suburban home. I didn't bother with the doorbell, but entered through the service entrance in the basement and found my way upstairs to the first floor. The house was dark which suited me fine, and I used a pocket flash to browse around. But ten minutes later, as I was going through a study desk, I suddenly found out the place wasn't as empty as I thought it was. Oh, good evening. What are you doing in my house, Mr. Runyon? Didn't the butler announce me, Oscar? I can't believe it. Can it be possible that you're nothing but a common thief? Oh, Stop. Where's your wife? She's ill in bed. I was turning in myself when I heard a noise down here, so I found my gun and decided to investigate. Well, relax, Oscar, and 
put the gun away. You know I didn't come here to steal the silverware. Well, why did you come? I was looking for some film. Film? Movie film. Was the late Melvin Bishop an amateur motion picture fan? That's something I couldn't tell you. Well, then maybe Mrs. Reynard can. I told you she was ill. Yeah? What's the matter with her? The shock of the medium's murder was a little too much. Well, she can spare me a couple of minutes. I won't be long. You insist on seeing her? If it's all right with you. Very well, Mr. Runyon. Oscar. Yes? Don't you think we'd both be a little more comfortable without that gun in your hand? I'm perfectly relaxed. Yeah. So I notice. My wife is on the floor above. We'll use those stairs. You can proceed to her room, Mr. Runyon, and I will follow right behind. We slowly climbed the staircase to the upper floor, and Oscar nudged me into the room with the barrel of his gun. His wife was in bed, propped up on a couple of pillows, and I noticed a glass of milk on a table right next to her. She looked a little startled when her husband and I walked in, particularly when she saw the gun in Oscar's hand, and the unusual expression on his ordinarily timid face. Sorry to disturb you, Mrs. Reynard. I found Mr. Runyon in the study downstairs, prowling through the house. Well, I don't understand. Well, you will in just a minute. Mr. Runyon would like to ask you a question, Harriet. It's already answered. That moving picture film the medium used belonged to Melvin Bishop, and it came from here. I found more just like it in the study desk. But how did they get hold of it? Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. It could have been stolen. By Angela, for instance. But that theory was eliminated when Angela was. Eliminated? The girl is dead, Mrs. Reynard. <gasps> she had a visitor a few minutes before I spoke to her. He brought her a bottle of poisoned whiskey and a proposition to keep her mouth shut. She accepted both and crossed herself off my list. But that's incredible. Your husband made a bargain with Salah, the medium, to fleece you of a little dough. What? He gave her the film and a couple of Melvin's old dictaphone discs. When Melvin asked you for the money, the voice was dubbed in. But it wasn't hard to do with a perfect model on a record. The man is mad, Harriet. Absolutely mad. On the night I went to Poussin's, Oscar got in touch with Salah. He told her a private detective was on his way and had to play it down. She was going to do just what he asked her to when Angela decided to throw a monkey wrench in the works. Oscar thought Salah was crossing him, so he knocked her off. Don't you think you might... It's as good as in the bag. You're the only logical nominee who happens to be left, Oscar. You settled that when you settled with Angela. Yes, I settled with her the way I intend to settle with you, Mr. Runyon. Only I'm not blackmailing you, Oscar. I'm putting you in the chair. <gasps> you ought to stick to poison, Oscar. Oh, you killed him. The only thing that would kill this guy would be a dose of DDT. Do you mind if I borrow that glass of milk, Mrs. Reynard? I imagine Oscar prepared it for you with his own little hands. 
Come on, come out of it, sweetheart. Papa's got a little drink. Here, would you like to wet your whistle? No, 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 take it away. For heaven's sake, don't put that glass near my mouth. That's funny. I had a hunch about that one. What's in that glass, Mr. Runyon? A slight dose of poison, Mrs. Reynard. Poison? Probably enough to kill a horse. Someone must have given your husband a chemistry set for Christmas. All right, Oscar. Up on your feet. All right. All right. The next time you attend a seance, you'll be sitting in the important chair. And when they pull that switch, mister, you'll contact Melvin Bishop in person. This has been The Fat Man, a Naples Players Readers Theater Radio production. If you have enjoyed this production, please let others know. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And don't forget, you can always see what's happening at the Naples Players by visiting our website, www.naplesplayers.org.